0: This is the one with such a shiny tubular.
1: A kid with nuclear chickenpox who wants to join in but always ends up infecting everyone else. The yearn off the tract. Eric the grieving. A flesh moth light. <laughs> Hot. A shed load of traps. And a riveting head wonk. It's called It Takes You Away. Here we
0: go. <sighs> Whistle on our epic phrase All through time and all through space with being and angel's now Dalek, Cyber, Zood and WOW Counting Sonic's rating apps From the poor to the sublime
1: Eccleston with Whittaker Let's agree it's about time Who, who back
0: when? Reviewing
1: on you? who there is
0: Who back when? Subscribe
1: and rate on iTunes, iTunes please Rose and Donna Amy Pond Murray Clara And beyond Join, Join us on this to See what other choice could there be But who back, back
0: when? when? Who back when? ladies and gentlemen and all in between and beyond to the very anti-zones beyond the periphery of the universe welcome to yet another episode of who back when a doctor who podcast uh, 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 i think you'll find us a doc past that's possibly correct this is episode n153 it takes you away hmm. and taking you away transporting you if you will <laughs> podcast land flawless <laughs> <laughs> So Transcendent Heights tonight, we hope. We've got me, Drew Backwen, and we've also got this guy seated opposite me in physical space. <gasps> mainly It's it's me, it's Leon. Hello, Drew. Hello, hello Podcast Land. hello, podcast land. Ooh, penultimate episode of series eleven.
1: Oh, we are catching up, dude. We are catching up mega quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah podcast land we put together a schedule for all the episode recordings going forward up until the point when we've caught up and we're like really close to catching up yeah 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 so just stick
0: with us just a a little bit longer you're so close (laughs) so close to 2025 anyway let's not waste any further time what did you think of this one high level i really like the bits that i like yeah yeah (laughs) on a good day you really like it on a bad day Utter turd. I wouldn't go so far as utter turd. Okay. Oh,
1: I'm glad that there's a
0: little bit of contrarianism around this table. This is good. What I will say, and I don't think anyone can disagree with me, the bold statement, but I'm going to stick with it to the end of this sentence. Yeah, yeah go for it. I trust so you. So really love this episode. You have to forgive it certain things. Yes.
1: That's a very good way of phrasing it. And I trust we will get into at least some of those things. I don't think we have enough time to go through all of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, we better hurry up then. Should we jump into a B scale? Oh, let's.
1: Time for us to synopsize. Slubify and summarize. So take a view. And grab a brew. And listen to this
0: overview. Yeah. This free-for-all. We like to call a by chunk, <laughs> chunk of who. Bite chunk of who. Expectorated by the TARDIS into a frilly bit atop Norway, the 13th Doctor and her fellow desolation ambulance chasers come upon a teenage girl holed up in a solitary cabin, hiding from strange monsters roaming outside every night. Her dad's been missing for the past few days, the monster's approaching again, and there's something very strange going on with one of the mirrors upstairs.
1: The mirror, they soon learn, doubles as a gateway into an anti-zone between universes where a guy who presumably has an interesting backstory makes a cameo appearance, and where carnivorous flesh moths flap around in horrifically homicidal droves. Where's that monster at though, eh? What's at the other end of the anti-zone? And can someone please call Child Protection Services? Emotional sci-fi drama ensues. Beastow over, you are welcome. M- com. <laughs> Did we both go for a Scandi accent there? Eh? Uh, yes, yeah, nice. say. well, I guess I mean we should start this review then. Where are we starting, dude?
0: I think, and I should have said this pre scow while we are dealing with an episode that's on the subject of grief and wishing we could bring people back. Let's pour one out for dear old Bernard Cribbins.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Oh, Bernard. Here's to you, Wilf. Can't wait to see your final performance. I know. <laughs> oh, goodness.
1: it's going to be so bittersweet seeing that. But yes, wow, Bernard Cribbins. We also, well, the world also lost David Warner.
0: Oh, yes, of Cold War fame.
1: Of Cold War fame. And also, I believe he's, I've not listened to them myself, but he's the doctor in uh, some audiobooks. Yeah. Wow, and what else? Yeah, I mean, just like total ledge in general. Yeah,
0: pick a DVD off the shelf. David Warner will likely prob- be in yeah. it. He's probably third billing. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. so uh, yeah, uh, back to this episode then. Yes. Oh, dude, let's talk frog. I can't. <laughs> I can't, I just can't wait. Ribbit. <laughs> It's a weird thing. It's sort of iconic. If you ask someone, have you seen the Doctor Who with the frog? Yeah. Surely they know what you're talking about.
1: I'm not so sure because I think we get some frog aliens in Classic Who that we haven't encountered yet. And we certainly get some frog-esque, some amphibious aliens in Doctor Who, in Classic Doctor Who, now and then. So hopefully they won't go for this one. But if they go for this one, would they do so in a positive or in a negative sense? Would they go, oh, yeah. Hell, why did it end up so silly and farcical? Or will they go? That's a lovely way of depicting a universe, <laughs> <laughs> because it could go one of either.
0: Well, like I said at the beginning, it depends what day it is. If it's a Thursday, then you're gonna hate it. And guess what day fate has assigned us, Podcastland, <laughs> to record this review on? The frog is so strange. Because the mouth, my eyes go straight to the mouth and how amateurish it is and just (laughs) flapping open and shut. But if you actually look around that to the rest of the frog, the eyes are blinking. Its throat is bulging like a frog's does when it breathes. Its legs are twitching. Its neck moves. It put up its hand at the end and that's that what be- i hate
1: that i hate that bit. you hate that bit yeah uh, everything else i think is totes adorbs but when it puts up its hand i'm reminded of how much i disliked it putting up its hand when it was in human form and, oh right and it just looks even worse when a frog does it it's just like yeah you know what i'm just
0: gonna shit on this episode
1: and wait i'm in it uh,
0: and <laughs>
1: and so it does
0: and also, they did the hand blast trick in the Witchfinders just last week. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. When they, the mud people could very easily have killed everybody and did That's true. So yeah, that's yeah. two weeks in a row. We've got that exact power transference. Yeah, I don't I don't understand why it even has to do, well, hang on, wait, wait,
1: wait. We're 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 going away from the frog. Yeah. So well, let, let's, sort let's of. maybe we should put a pin in in the whole like hand gestures and how this universe works and what oh, are the rules for letting someone in and letting someone out.
0: In, I put 100 pins in a voodoo doll this frog <laughs> trying to erase it from history. Ah. It won't shift. <laughs> Okay, I have a question for you about the frog. This
1: isn't even one of my introductory questions. You point out the the voice and how annoying it is that the the mouth doesn't move properly to enunciate all these words. Yeah, it
0: moves in time, but it doesn't form any of the vowels. No, I mean, because a
1: frog isn't capable of doing that. So why does this frog have the voice of another character whom it has just, or this universe has just impersonated?
0: I'll tell you why. Okay. Because... (laughs) It's very unfortunate for this script mm-hmm. that this episode falls in the series where Chiba's principal was no returning monsters that we've seen yeah. in the show already. True. Because the second Graham appears in the Solitract plane, Grace is there. And with Eric, it's his wife, Trina, and, sorry, Eric, not Eric, Eric. Nice. Yes. Were this Capaldi, Smith series 12 with jodie in then you would have the solid track plane start to populate that zone with everything that's in the doctor's consciousness and history and it could could go in all sorts of really interesting directions rather than just a blank space (laughs) remaining blank it wants to experience the universe and the doctor says oh it's really very big and it's like fascinating no further questions <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah fair point do you think that the solid tract is it because it's it respects the doctor to such a degree like respects the doctor's intellect to such a degree that it doesn't therefore try to cajole her by by mimicking someone from her past I mean, otherwise, the Solid Tract might turn up as, as Missy, or as uh, the Master, or, like, as uh, someone, and then you would have that emotional relationship, and, oh, whatever, you know, th- there would be a, a dialogue whereby one person is constantly fighting against it, turning into the dialogue that the other person wants it to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I uh, guess, but the thing is, the Doctor does know, so, you know, the, the Frog, the why turn track... into a frog? Well, okay, the solid track, it could have a little more fun with it, couldn't it? It said, I won't condescend to you, Doctor. I won't try and pull the wool over your eyes with such basic childish illusions that that fooled these lesser companions of yours. You are my true friend. So let's pick out one of your friends and see what I have to learn about interpersonal relationships. And boom, that they're instantly Missy. Or love, River. Or just anyone who's, I mean... The blue guy, the big fat blue guy, who's always at the conventions. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's got nothing better planned.
1: I can't wait to bump into that guy at the next convention and ask him the same goddamn question again. (laughs) Yeah, Cannot wait. He is
0: furious. (laughs) He is spitting at the screen. It could have been me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, true, but... The shape of a frog, I kind of like because it's almost a playfulness. It's a th- this creature, this universe wants to make friends. That's all it wants to do, right? Yes. It wants to create connections with other living, living beings. Yeah. It has just done so through the medium of the figment of someone else's recollection of a living being and then used the, <laughs> the memory of that figment to choose its shape. This frog is from the memory of, of, uh, what's her name, Grace.
0: Yeah, because that very nearly fooled Graham entirely. It convinced him for a while. Oh, you know all about this frog. So that has come to symbolize. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I find it really nice and playful that this person who, I mean, this universe who just wants to make friends has gone like, oh my goodness, here's something that this kind of pseudo body of mine, Grace, really likes. And I think it's such a quirky animal. You know what? I'm just going to
0: look like it. I think that's kind of... Yeah. Also, what's an animal? This is... amazing (laughs) like you have no idea what's going on inside it is this going on inside you as well yeah i think that's adorbs
1: yeah i think that's absolutely lovely and i think the the notion of taking a universe and depicting it as a tiny cutesy frog is also actually pretty great Mm -hmm. until it lifts its hands and it turns into marvel's frog
0: i'm i'm not (laughs) on board okay yeah huh that's so interesting i really didn't have a problem with it You don't have to have a problem with it. I just have a
1: problem with that effect and the notion that, oh, they have to blast someone out of this universe. Doesn't it
0: make it more poignant? Because at the same time as expelling the Doctor, it is also waving goodbye, in a Uh, sense.
1: I think you are, as she was, reaching <laughs> there, buddy. But,
0: as the frog was.
1: Yeah. Here's another thing that ticks me off about the raising of that. This is not to say that everything about this episode ticks me off, because there's plenty in it that I really enjoy. Agreed. But something that does tick me off about that entire scene at the end is just how, aside from it turning really farcical, it's how um, oblivious all of the other participants in the scene are to... What is going on? So we have this creature general zodding people out <laughs> through a mirror. Yes. Really quite aggressively. Oh, it's and also in Dark city, city, isn't it? They I don't do know, know what we're going to do. I mean, no, I don't know. Maybe I should stay. Fuck off, man. No, this thing is just like laser blasted your daughter out through a
0: mirror. Maybe leave. Or... <laughs> Yeah, father of the year, by the way, that guy. Oh, Well, I'm going I'm to get a little personal to not exonerate Eric, because he deserves the scolding he gets. I yes, think. he does. But after my mum died, my dad, he went through several, it felt like, years. Like Every time we would ring him up, he would tell us that he missed her. And it was like, to him, he was telling us for the first time. Like, he was trapped in this stage of grief that he just couldn't move on from. He knew that we missed her as her children too, me and my sister. But he was also weirdly impervious and oblivious when we said, Dad, we know. And it wasn't that he needed to express it again and again and that really achieved anything. That wasn't what was at issue here. It was that he sort of couldn't connect with us in the same way to the point where we wondered, like, how do we get through to him? And and I, I see that here. I see that in Eric here. I see his justifications like, oh, she's fine because I am so very not that I, I guess that he wants her to be, maybe. I don't know if that's part of the psychology going on here, but something on some level just struck me as authentic.
1: Okay, well, I mean, that is in no way belittling your father's reaction. That is a very common way of dealing with that. Mm. And yes, I agree with you. I get that on a certain level, Eric might not be capable of rationally processing what is going on because he has to compensate for whatever's missing inside of him. Yes, his logic has
0: broken down. It has taken his logic away. uh, Well, yes. That's a good title.
1: So the... So, so, yes, I mean, there's a part of his reality is missing, and he's trying to fill that void with something that is even blatantly unreal as as long as it mm. flattens that. Whole, it's fine. That's probably what he's trying to do. That's It's a form of anxiety, isn't it? Like, just constantly trying to... Yeah, anyway, compensate yeah. for that.
0: No, no, you're, you're right. Don't,
1: yeah. don't rush it. You're but, bang on. But he is there with his daughter, yes. whom he has already abandoned, by the way. He is a shit dad. So mm-hmm. he has already abandoned her in another universe, scared her half to bits. She's, she's away from her friends. She's living on a cliff's edge, surrounded by bears. Real uh, bears. Real bears in a house that where he's boarded everything up. And then on top of that, he's kind of ready to just abandon her, you know, indefinitely
0: in the real world. He didn't mean, I think, for it to go on so long. He he left food in the fridge, he says. He hasn't realised that the fridge is now pretty much empty. He, he was going to go away for a, a sexy weekend tops. Yeah, he's, he's off to,
1: to bone a frog for a few days. Then, all of a sudden, the apparition of his wife laser blasts his daughter in the face and shoots her out of the universe into what he knows faux shizzle
0: is a scary as hell cave yes not only that
1: but a lethal
0: ass cave yeah
1: and he's still like wait hang on no you're not gonna you're not gonna leave me for the doctor right i mean no (laughs) pick me pick me no that's weird." Why is no one reacting to all this? Anyway, yeah. I know I'm reading way too much into this whole laser blasting thing, but that scene in general just seemed really weird. So I don't understand what the rules yeah. are for how do you let someone in and how do you let someone out? Because surely she, by she I mean in this case the universe, the, what's it called again? Solitract. The Solitract. The Isolus, but given a whole plane. <laughs> nice. It's a, the Solid track surely could just go, VOOM, now you're out of the universe. Or, yes, now yes. you can step outside. I've opened the door for you. Please, you can leave. It doesn't yeah. have to, like, superhero them out of there.
0: Yeah, and you saying that reminds me of the most beautiful shot in this episode. Possibly one of the ones in the series, where the Solid track plane is on the brink of collapse, and the doctors just widened out the peril to encompass her own universe and then the solid track regains control and the all the shutters in the roof flip gorgeous and the light just pours in yeah so lovely
1: stunning shot Mm. absolutely stunning yeah
0: yeah worth watching multiple times right (laughs) and and just that just that shot (laughs) well and the music (laughs) it's just a a lovely image it is visual i just i can't praise it highly enough. I think
1: this episode is actually, visually speaking, across the board, it is beautiful. Hmm. I even really like the antizone. That's one of my biggest beefs. Actually, is that we don't spend enough time in the antizone. I would love to spend more time there. But yes,
0: l- but the episode is so packed already.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: The yes. antizone. I mean, it doesn't. I th- I think the antizone thing would have been better served in a more tonally coherent adventure. Like they are on another planet, and it's not an antizone it's just where ribbons lives and he can be the golem figure for the entire thing and they can do a lord of the rings takeoff whatever they don't have to wedge it as they do in between these two other episodes that they're having you could actually yeah wait that is a good point why even have the anti-zone
1: here why not just step through the mirror and you're on the other side of the mirror in this other universe
0: Well, they do explain that there needs to be a buffer zone, but the buffer zone can be anything they like. So make it one that takes up, I don't know, eight minutes instead of 20 minutes and just leaves everything slightly underserved in terms of time and expansiveness. Yeah. Also,
1: you could then spend more time on the monsters like really properly hammer home that this is a spoiler alert for people who weren't around in the early noughties, the village. Like the... You've seen the village, right?
0: I'm, I haven't seen the village. Fuck! I just pulled it for you. So the the that's, the, fine. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't intending to. It, it gave me a quiet place vibes at its best moments. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. With sound, obviously. <laughs> i i'm really sorry that
1: i spoiled the village for you
0: oh i wasn't gonna watch it
1: you're absolutely right if you regain another 12 minutes to spend outside of the anti-zone to spend on actual plots not just running through a cave that we don't explain why is it a cave where are these moths coming from who's ribbons
0: what are these seven stomachs everything well, right g- what what just just a leap in quickly something yeah. that really annoyed me how did you get here ribbons yeah exactly always been here that's not an answer
1: no, okay, hang on, I want to put a pin in that because I do have a connection to me. This is the thing that I mentioned before. Oh, okay, right, but, right, right. but wait, hang on, so I think outside... Like, in the real world, quote-unquote, in our world, it's very subjective to call this the real world, but in our world... In Norway. Our, in Norway. I mean, our version of Norway as opposed to the mirror mm, Norway, mm, mm, there was much more scope for a an adventure looking for this monster, trying to hunt it down, maybe, or whatever. There are actual traps in the shed maybe the shed catches the the trap one of the traps outside in the forest catches something they think it's the monster they go there it's actually a bear or, or it's the sheep or like whatever it is there's much more tension around this fucking monster is arriving and then there's like a glitch in the recording or as they're running away from the monster they stumble over a speaker and it's like oh fuck this was all fake and that is the crescendo of our side in Norway, rather than, oh my god, it's a monster, No, it's a speaker.
0: Yeah. Which was a massive letdown, as in it's just so rushed. And now that you draw attention to that, it rather undercuts the idea of the monster in general, that the Doctor's like, right, we're going to fuck off through here, no idea where we're going, but Ryan, you'll be sufficient. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also you're on babysitting duty by the way like you're not yeah. only protecting this house and yourself from a monster you're also taking care of a person who does not trust you <laughs> 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 and you have a bunch of lies that you need to feed her constantly because otherwise she might go outside like what that's way too much responsibility for any
0: one person yeah also when hannah reacts to ryan he's like ugh, and he's like oh, what well, have you got a problem with me? I just said that your dad was a deadbeat. Uh, yeah. By the way, idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, I
1: mean fair point. <laughs> yeah,
0: if, if the doctor is so good and so empathic and listens to everyone in this episode, why doesn't she say, all right, Yaz, you stay behind instead? You clearly have a better bond with her already. <laughs> Ryan even acknowledges it in yeah. conversation with Yaz. Yeah. It's yeah like, yeah. oh, you're so much better at this. I know. I should be doing your job. <laughs> But then I suppose she wouldn't knock Yaz out and they'd just have to walk through the interzone together with less peril. Maybe. But then then they wouldn't have... Well, they could still have the absolutely awful... (laughs) Now we're going to the polar opposite visual of these moths are following us. Let's hide with this really bright balloon just around this corner where the moths that are attracted to the light light can see the light but won't turn left. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who? It's so obvious. I'm surely I'm not surprising anyone with this observation. I don't,
1: I don't. I don't think you are.
0: So how did it get
1: through? What like the myriad levels of editorial scrutiny
0: before this gets produced? Well, I just mean the program makers, like. Do it. Maybe it's too late for reshoots, but I don't know. Streamline the sequences or something. Just t- t- don't let that get to the screen somehow. Or just like pull, it, it, have a quick shot of the.
1: Oh, you know what? No CGI. A bit of rock just on the side of the balloon, so that the moths theoretically wouldn't see it.
0: <laughs> yeah anything yeah. anything <laughs> the, the moths i really like the look of the moths
1: i thought they were stonesville mm. those moths got me randy i loved them <laughs>
0: <laughs> which just left me even more baffled as to the frog's mouth going meow, 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 meow. oh i see what you're saying yeah it was doing better than that in the 70s <laughs> involve the jim henson workshop are you, are you the dead? Uh, wait, where's my current
1: voice? You the, um, wait, <clears throat> hang on, I'll find it. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, just, I'll put a you pin gotta in you just got to go it. through a buffer zone to get there.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got questions, more questions about the point in the conversation we were around a few minutes ago. Hit me! So, to clarify, Hannah is not a child. She is a teenager. She is intelligent, socially competent, she is aware of her surroundings. Yes. What exactly is the worst dad in the world telling his teenage daughter is going on when he sneaks off to bang
0: a frog? (laughs) What does he say? Only a frog when Graham turns up.
1: Yeah, I mean, agree to disagree, but... Yeah, okay, okay.
0: (laughs) What does he tell her? He tells her that he... Has he gone outside to fight the monster? Is is that the ruse? I'll be back in four days. There's food in the fridge. I'm going to go fight a monster. Really? Really? I don't know. I, I don't, like I said, I don't think he intended to go for four days. I think he just... Maybe he went out to hunt it or something. Mm. Or maybe he went out to get help. Okay. Does it say in the transcript? Possibly. Okay. So it doesn't seem like he told her anything. Because <laughs> Hana says, <laughs> I heard the thing out here before I went to sleep. And in the morning, my dad was gone. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fair play, I then.
0: hate you. I hate you. I hate everybody here. I am exceedingly tetchy.
1: <laughs> and then... Right- Ryan still has the gall to go, I think she's making all of this up. Her dad clearly just left or something. There is no monster. She's full of shit.
0: I mean, in a sense, Ryan is right. He has deserted her to go and bone someone. Well... Yeah, he just didn't know that he'd be right in that way. Wait, wait, wait. wait uh, okay, yes, you're right. Yeah. But... Mm. But... This
1: this poor girl has been by herself at least a few days. Yeah,
0: she's she's entitled to be a little tetchy. Yeah.
1: Why would you assume that she's lying for whatever... Like... I'm not saying believe every child you find in a boarded up cabin, but I'm saying like, wait, uh, yeah, I am saying that. (laughs) What what I'm saying is basically maybe keep an open mind. Uh, Consider she lives in a fucking board. Did you see the boards outside? Like there's something weird going on here. She's not just like lying to get you out of the house. There's clearly some duress. It's very strange to me. There are sheep around. They're just waiting to strike. It's very strange yeah. to me that no one... That, that Sorry, that Ryan does not believe her in the, in the beginning.
0: Well, we know why that is, though, because Ed Heim, the writer of this episode... Yes. And despite everything we're saying, Ed, this is, of course, your finest hour in terms of Doctor Who scripts. Oh, uh, undoubtedly, yeah. Yes, undoubtedly.
1: And, and, and by the way, spoiler alert, I'm going to be giving this a relatively high mark when we get yeah. to it. You know his other script. Yes, I believe <laughs> it's it's something numerical. I can't remember what it was.
0: Yeah, Awful. it's like no. Childless 23, something like that. Something like that, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Wow, I cannot wait until we get to Orphan 55. That is going to be a doozy to review. Ed Heim, this is a stellar script. Yeah. yeah. Talking about gonna... this one, not Orphan 55. But this
0: one, fantastic. We do know why Ryan reacts in this way, because Ed Heim was given a point, you know, the four bullet points about Ryan's character where Chibas says, you can pick dyspraxia or daddy issues. Okay. And Ed Heim went, I'll take the daddy issues, please. Yeah. So at the beginning, he has to react in a way that his default position is, oh, of course I would suspect dads, you can't rely on them. And then I would have actually liked that to be tied in. That's a very good
1: point. I had totally forgotten about his dad, actually.
0: yeah, I would have liked that to be tied in. Better perhaps to him calling Graham grandad at the end. Oh, but I love that. I mean, it's it's nice
1: that it's finally happened. It's it's Cheese
0: City. It's mm-hmm.
1: a Cheeseville, Tennessee, but finally this guy gets an arc <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Hey, look at him grow <laughs> isn't that
1: great i thought i was a,
0: i thought it was a beautiful scene it was understated but beautiful yes well i would have liked a, a little less understatement i guess because ryan has gone from this position at the beginning of the episode where he's like father figures i mean all they do is let you down to finally accepting what graham wants to be in his life because of because of the depth of feeling and just the the connection they have via Grace and all of that I feel like a, a a shinier bow could have been applied. You know, a bigger, glitzier ribbon. I don't know what I'm talking
1: about. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Because
0: we've been waiting for this for a long time. And in the end, it's not actually about Ryan at all. Sort of. It's it's all about Graham, because Bradley Walsh is the guy who's been given all the big emotion scenes. And yeah, I would have liked Ryan to be given a fair share, I guess, is what What I'm coming around to. Do you know what I think would
1: have made this better? It's Hit me. It's if... Ryan had somehow been privy to Grace. He, yeah, he he never gets to see Grace or fake Grace. Yes. And if he if he got to see Grace and especially if he got to see how Graham reacted to Grace and everything else just like being able to read the love in in Graham's demeanor, and his eyes, and his voice, and his everything—yeah, being brought back to life—exactly. Then, then that would have been the instigator to him recognizing him as a, a grandfather figure. Instead, yeah. he just goes, "Oh yeah, I heard that you saw my gran. Yes, all right,
0: granddad, come on." Yeah, that's, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's not enough. That's it's not, not re- enough. Yeah, and pertinent to that is when they are all back on the Norwegian side of the anti-zone, yeah. Graham is disconsolate. He's looking at the ground. The Doctor has just said about how she had to say goodbye to a friend. And everybody is looking at Graham with the utmost solemnity, Yeah, including Ryan. Ryan has had no chance yet to n- know what happened over there, to be told that even. Unless Yaz has babbled it while they're running through the cave. But it's as if he already knows. It's as if he was there, so it doesn't ring true. And I was yeah. looking at him, being like, "You should be confused right now. You should go over to Graham and be like, what's up? What well, What are you so sad about?' Doesn't do that. Yeah. So that there just needed to be a redraft. The, the, Holy this, smokes, we just, we just nailed this. Well, we haven't. Uh, well, well,
1: no, I feel like this is a this is a pretty pretty significant retro rewrite. In right, yeah, it has emotional impact. This this is a better take on that dynamic. I'm sorry I've cut you off there, but this is a much better take on that dynamic.
0: Yeah, and it all comes from not leaving Ryan behind at the beginning to get knocked out. You can take some of that out. Yaz and Hana, once they figure out the speaker thing, they can just go through the interzone, meet, meet much the same peril. Graham and Ryan are already there at the same time. You, you manage that, that. You give Grace more to do, for one thing. Give Yaz an action scene. If Yaz is now doing the Ryan bit, where Yaz
1: and Hannah are just running towards the mirror, Hannah gets through, the mirror closes, Yaz is now stuck in the anti-zone. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it's like Batman begins, Yaz stands up, and a bunch of flesh moths are coming her way. Mm. In just, like through instinct her police reflexes snap <laughs> in and yeah. all of a sudden because
0: we, she's done a training session on flesh marks exactly so, she's so, gone on a course it's then, fine so she like takes
1: a karate stance or something we don't get to see it because that would be a little gauche but she just does <laughs> like a, a sheffield police force karate stance i'm doing the stance right now yeah, podcast it's land. world
0: famous you um, know what he's doing podcast land you can picture it
1: the music swells and abruptly cuts to the other side of the mirror. We have the conclusion of that scene. Everyone else goes through the mirror except for the doctor. Everyone goes through the mirror. The first person who goes through the mirror just sees Yaz out of breath, standing, looking like a badass, hundreds of death moths surrounding her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Done. Oh as in <laughs> as in kill bill in that
1: yes exactly volume 1 yeah. in the middle yes exactly and <laughs> and she'll have some Bondian one liner as well so God, it took you guys long enough i don't know what it is yeah uh, wait m- moth oh fuck placeholder so yeah so anyways <laughs> oh sing <laughs> <laughs> It's very hot, Podcast It's crazy land. hot. Uh, can you hear the fan, Podcast Land? There's a fan in this room. It is a bloody heat wave. We it's are drinking,
0: fill. honest to God, water tonight. Yeah.
1: The pints of water are accompanying the booze, but yes. <laughs> but we are also drinking water.
0: <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. In some yeah. You had another question about the Solid Track plane.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. So I've got a question about the solitract plane, and I've got a question about the anti or a, a reference for the anti-zone. And in the solitract plane, do you think that she actually wants to stay with the solitracts? Or is that enthusiasm just a ploy that she employs in order to gain favor and be let
0: out? I think it's true to the 13th Doctor's character that when she meets a being of this scale and age and complexity and mystery, that she would just be carried away with the wonder of it all. And she would want to experience it to the utmost. That is that is so Jodie Whittaker's Doctor.
1: But to the point where she would just be ready to sacrifice her entire life in the regular universe, would she basically the pilot it with
0: Frog? Oh! Oh, there's a great comparison. Right? And then... uh,
1: Yaz, Ryan, Graham they may or may not make it through the anti-zone back to the TARDIS and when they get there they will probably realise that the only key to the TARDIS is in Doc's pocket and then they're stuck in Norway (laughs) yeah or they don't make it through the anti-zone maybe they get eaten by flesh moths doesn't matter is Doc willing to make that potential sacrifice
0: I would have believed it much more had it come at the end of Capaldi's run for instance because he is so weary and he's lost so many people and now Now, here is the chance... To be the companion for a change. Well, not just be the companion for a change. It's not about necessarily who's the subordinate and who's the dominant in this relationship. It's that he he never has to lose someone again. He can achieve sort of a complete everlasting symbiosis. Yeah. He, He never has to experience loss again, which... Given the debilitating effects of loss experienced in this episode should be more of a draw. That point should be emphasised. Like, but, but we're still so early in the Doctor's run and she loves her fam so much that it doesn't quite fit this Doctor's point in time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I get that you can't change the, how Doctor Who has panned out and Ed Heim wrote this script and he, he did a mostly a very good job of it. But yeah, oh that just would entice me so much more to see Peter Capaldi, you know, properly ruminating that sending his eyebrows a quiver with the implications and the and the possibilities and possibly also
1: having to face the fact that ah uh, however much he wants to do this or she wants to do this, they can't afford to do that because there are other people who depend on
0: them. Yeah. 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 It is it's is quite a cheap get out in the end, isn't it? I I know that I mean, I, I think it works. Oh, what, the, the plane is so destabilised that it can't support the Doctor? I, I would perhaps have liked a line to be like, okay, you could you could support Eric, perhaps, because he's... You know, a mid thirties idiot and he's only ever lived in Norway and he's he's experienced very little. But Doc is even more strange
1: and incompatible and therefore it wouldn't work.
0: Yeah, like like tie it into some Time Lord Law or something. Just the depth of it. Bloody hell. You're you were trying to breadcrumb us to the timeless child thing. Have the Solitract If it must... There
1: are too many lives inside you. I uh, I can handle one person, but there are like hundreds of lives inside you.
0: And the doctor's like... What do you mean hundreds? Yeah.
1: That doesn't sound canonical. I can't do the voice. I cannot (laughs) do the voice.
0: (laughs) 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 But the content... Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of years, the solid tract says. Oh, because it's grace. Thousands and thousands of years... And the doctor's like, oh, I thought it was two, but okay. Big me up a little.
1: Here's the thing. I don't mind the universe collapsing if Doc remains there. They could always just use the excuse, well, it's true. I'm just one person in here right now. And yes, it is true. It was my suggestion that I be that person and not that guy. But I
0: promise I wasn't trying to make this happen.
1: Yeah. Which I feel like the frog should have gone, you fucked me over. like. (laughs) You're a backstabber. But the frog
0: has access to all their interiority. So, actually, no. The frog should be like, okay, sorry, here comes the hand.
1: If that's the case then Doc definitely does mean it. If the frog actually is able to gauge when someone tells the truth and what the truth is and how sincere they are about telling it, et cetera, et cetera, then yeah, Doc must be telling the truth. What I was going to say was, I'm happy with the universe collapsing if she stays there because they can always use the excuse of, a moment ago, there was more than one person here from the wrong universe. And that yeah. was too much. That already set off a chain reaction. I can't stop it. It's too late now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. But what I don't like is Doc going, it's fine. I'll leave and then I'll be your friend forever. And the frog's like, oh, actually, you know what? You know, this whole everlasting crusade for friends. You know what? It doesn't matter. I don't need human interaction. All I need is to know that there's someone out there absent yeah. who, who likes me. That's all I need. Done. Happy ending. No. Doc is going to leave and the frog is going to look around. It's like wherever that white void where the Matrix stores all the guns and where you have like fake casting pornos and whatever. (laughs) And there's like just shrug and go oh shit I had a chance at Friends and now I'm all alone again
0: yeah it's worse to have loved and lost (laughs) yeah exactly
1: yeah Yeah. what it's gonna do is it's gonna pull pull the Matrix gun rack over grab a gun we're gonna pan to just white background and then after five seconds of silence we hear one single gunshot and the sound (laughs) of like something roughly with the weight of a frog flopping onto the ground that's it
0: I mean it's that or the solid track plane becomes an embittered incel, so... Yeah. <laughs> Immediately
1: starts posting comments on YouTube videos.
0: <laughs> now what should have happened is... The solid track should have been like, it's okay. I have access to all the Doctor's memories. I still retain those. and Make a clone. Make a copy. Well, Don't, don't make a clone of the Doctor. Alex Kingston appears. River Song is there. And she's like, oh, fuck, this again? Mm-hmm. This is where I end up again? You liberate me from one prison to put me in another? <laughs> <laughs> With a frog? <laughs> now I'm a step-frog wife? <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> but seriously, the, all that eric jizz is going to take a long time to clean up that is probably what's destabilizing the whole thing the eric jizz that's why the background is entirely white eh? <laughs> <laughs> that that is yeah that's probably
1: entirely accurate mm. you're right mm is right yum <laughs> <laughs> Oof, <my love. laughs> okay i have a reference for the anti-zone okay So I know, I can't remember when this was, maybe when this season came out, we did a bonus episode or something talking about individual episodes, or possibly it's just come up organically, like en passant. But I remember making a reference to Babylon 5. Okay. Because when I first saw this episode, back when it aired, whenever, when did this air? It aired 2nd of December, 2018. 2018 that's not that long ago we are catching up with you doctor anyway anyway so at the time i remember thinking wow i am getting pretty severe babylon 5 vibes
0: well as in the jim henson effects in babylon 5 were way better than here
1: (laughs) (laughs) in babylon 5 there is a i can't remember which season this is three or five three or four there's a Captain Sheridan, if anyone out there in podcast land who enjoys Babylon 5. They go to a place called Zahadum, which I'm pretty sure is kind of a reference to the Lord of the Rings K- Khazadum. Yeah. And Captain Sheridan jumps down, has to like, sacrifice himself and jump down this crevasse. Very much like Gandalf jumps down the crevasse in... Oh, in,
0: in, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: oh you shall not pass. Uh, so anyway, he falls My down. Room. And at the bottom of that canyon... yes chasm is a landscape that looks very very similar to the Anthuzone here. zone uh-huh. here and he survives the fall he wanders around this weird cave system these tunnels uh- and there is a person there who has been there since forever oh I a character named Zathras I just looked up or before we press record I looked up an image of Zathras it looks nothing like this dude I really thought that he would look like oh wow hang on this is a reference but it's not right. uh, but I'm still now getting massive Zathras vibes and Zahadum vibes from this from ribbons yeah Yeah, from Ribbons. Xathras is more of a Virgil character in the sense that he leads him through the tunnels and then helps him to kind of, in a Gandalf way, be resurrected. And here, that isn't a part of the story, obviously.
0: Lovely Divine Comedy reference, all the
1: same. Absolutely. But here, there is a kind of Virgil-esque role to the character in that he leads the good guys through this hellish, cavernous system. Yeah, It's a labyrinth,
0: tracked by a thread indeed.
1: Bingo. Yeah, so... I'm still getting those vibes. I I don't have much to say about it except to say, yeah, there are definitely parallels. And I think if you've seen Babylon 5, maybe you will be able to glean more into this than than I'm capable of of verbalizing right now.
0: Well, my question in response to that is, how derivative is this episode then if it's taking off the village that you've already brought up and this Babylon 5 episode as well? Well, I
1: think the village thing, yeah, I mean, I, I... Maybe the village is also derivative in that.
0: Do you know what the village is about?
1: I've already spoiled it for you. I remember
0: you. a sort of murky landscape. Yeah. Okay.
1: Lots of, of grey mist. I'll, I'll spoil one part of the uh, The part that I've already spoiled for you is like, oh, they're in this village and yeah. there are monsters around, like weird wolf monsters, I think, are kind of encircling in, in this village. Okay turns out there there are no monsters yeah sorry podcast land spoilers for a film that's like 20 years old but so there are no monsters it's all like the sound effects are there people in costumes whatever it's all just to keep people in that village mm-hmm. and this is very similar it's super duper similar to that and i feel yeah. like maybe maybe what's his name ed's heim ed heim i was gonna <laughs> say ed helms saw the village and went that's a freaking great idea yeah i can make something slightly different of it and just turn it into a b plot but then unfortunately it deserves more it it, it, it turned into a c plot and it deserves to. B a b plot is the problem
0: <laughs> yeah well the c plot is also stolen
1: i don't know that it's stolen i think the aesthetics are very reminiscent of it and i think the character is very reminiscent of it and i think possibly there was something akin to the moths in Zahadum as well oh, but no, i'm not i'm not 100 sure i'm not 100 sure maybe there are some references but regardless i would have liked this to be more Zahadum. I would have liked them to spend more time there. And I think what you said before, actually take that out entirely, make that a part of a different story or whatever, like give that the scope that it deserves. I think that's the way to go. And then you can actually explore the backstory of this character, this ribbons guy yeah ribbons of the seven stomachs what are these seven stomachs what are you talking about yeah etc etc this yeah. lamp i mean i'm gonna assume that this lamp is made of someone's skin or like flesh or whatever like where did yeah. it come from this
0: is a dead rat's inflated stomach or something
1: exactly this is the gallbladder of a something something
0: you know that there was
1: originally they even shot this i think there was going to be another monster in the caves
0: oh did you oh. see this uh, uh hang who? on
1: i'm gonna show you here you go
0: I don't know what to make of
1: that Yeah, so there used to be a character This is I found out about this on TARDIS WIKI Then I just googled it uh, Found an image Which turned out to come from TARDIS WIKI as well <laughs> There was originally meant to be a different monster They clearly shot Because there's a If you go to TARDIS WIKI You'll find a, a photo of this character I'm
0: going there right now
1: Do it This is like a creature that is Let's say two and a half metres tall And has the head of a mole right. And long claws And wears a weird cloak Dot, dot, dot. So clearly they expected to spend more time in Not-Zahadum in the anti-zone, but they didn't. Yeah. I would like to see more Zahadum, please. I'm not necessarily looking for a monster. I don't need a monster. Like We already had the moths, and I, if it's just another iteration of that, except this time it's bipedal and looks like a mole, I'm not necessarily interested in that. But if there's more scope to tell a story about what this anti-zone is is like... Are there like creatures from lots of different universes trapped in there? Is that where ribbons comes from? You know, yeah, yada yeah. yada. Have
0: ribbons come from somewhere rather than what? not real explanation?
1: I've been here forever. My clothes. Oh, I make I make them. Yes, it is fabric. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Here we go. <laughs> what are you doing in the anti zone, Antonio
0: Banderas? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a much much wider story to tell, and it saddens me that they didn't tell it.
0: Can we talk? Yes, the whatever, The actor yes. of Ribbons.
1: Ooh, I... Oh, are you going to make the reference that I think you're going to make? I don't know. What reference do you think I'm going to make? I believe that you enjoy a show called Danger Mouse.
0: That is part of my paragraph. <laughs> Go for it, please. <laughs> ribbons is played by a bona fide superstar in none other than Kevin Eldon. I say black books. You say... Potato? No, no I
1: don't know. What? <laughs> Dirty. That is him! It is him! Yes, it is! <laughs> Daddy. I
0: love that. I forgot that that's him. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that absolutely is him. That's uh, the thing about Kevin Eldon. He is that guy with that face everywhere. He's in so many things. He's in Hot Fuzz. He's he one is? of the policemen in Hot yeah. Fuzz. He has 157 credits. 157? He might just be the British Danny Trejo. He doesn't uh, seem to turn
1: anything down. He is fourth billing. David Warner, third billing. This guy, fourth billing.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He does voice Penfold in the 2010s Danger Mouse remake. Yeah. He played two different characters in, not the bill, not Casualty, Game of Thrones.
1: Yes. Yes, that's right.
0: You've seen him in that as well? Well, I looked him up on IMDb and I did
1: see a screenshot of him and it was, I think he plays an actor. So he, oh. in one of the screenshots, he was on a stage portraying a different character on Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. So I, I, it's one of those scenes. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: One series of his eponymous comedy sketch show It's Kevin seems Ooh. to have been enough for the BBC2 commissioners. It was certainly more than enough for Abby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He was also he was also one of the three leads with Nick Frost and Miranda Hart in Hyperdrive which yes. was Did you ever see that?
1: No, but I saw the poster for it today and went, oh, I wonder if it's worth watching that.
0: Well, I watched it at the time and I think it was what the BBC hoped would replace Red Dwarf because it went off the air for quite some time. And Mm. I think I also wanted to buy into it as a replacement. I was desperate for some unchallenging, broad, slightly daft sci-fi content in my early 20s. I'm not sure it stands up.
1: Oh, no. Okay. I mean, I've
0: never gone back to rewatch it. However, I will stand up to my dying day for World of Pub. Oh, I don't know this. What is this? World of Pub is a sitcom from 2001 written by Tony Roach who has gone on to write for The Thick of It, Veep, Succession. Oh, wow, okay. In this, Kevin Eldon plays Dodgy Phil alongside the erstwhile Fisher King himself, a.k.a. Dwayne Benzie, Peter Serafinovich.
1: Yikes, okay.
0: Similar comedy legend, turns up in everything. Martin Freeman plays every other extra. Wigs galore. It's so gloriously absurd. If there is not a World of Pub podcast already, I will start one. I will call it World of Pod. Then I'll come up with another one. World of <laughs> Pubcast. It's, that's probably why I love Kevin Eldon to this day, and I will forgive him almost anything, because... I, I rewatched watched the ep- first episode last night. I laughed my ass off. It's almost as funny as Bottom. That's how funny it is. Okay, I need to see the show. We will be re-encountering Kevin Eldon once we get to those odds and sods. Oh, really? Because in 2001-2, he voiced Antimony in Death Comes to Time. Oh, yes. Oh. So he has a prior Doctor Who connection. And nice. this is the last nugget on Kevin Eldon. He also voiced Cooper in Combat Sheep. And here we're talking about the woolly rebellion. Is it a coincidence? I think not.
1: I hope it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Okay, yeah, count me in, dude. Mm. <laughs> right. Okay. Enough of that Kevin Elden tangent. Oh. But I mean what a dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lisa Stocker, Trina, is from Tromsø, or Tromsø. Oh, yeah? In in northern Norway. Yeah. So her accent is definitely authentic. Very good. In fact, she was citizen of Tromsø of the year in 1999. Wait, how
1: does one become... I didn't know this was something that you could aspire to. (laughs) How does one become citizen of the year of anywhere?
0: Because she was the original Sophie in Mamma Mia. Oh, she, I, I thought she, it was like... Tr- Tromsa had a
1: thing where they were like, all we want is for one of our citizens to go out and uh, co-star in a British science fiction television series.
0: Oh, Trina, you did it! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, 20 years Have earlier. the key to the city. Um, well, she yeah. got it. For, That's pretty amazing. Yeah, and she also did the Norwegian-language dub of Elsa in Frozen. She can clearly sing.
1: Yeah, oh, wow.
0: It's a shame they didn't have a... Trilling away a little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, okay. Catherine Jenkins never stopped. Catherine Jenkins. Oh, in, yeah,
1: of course, yeah, yeah. In yeah, what's yeah. it called, the Christmas bonus thingy? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with her not having sung in this one. Yeah,
0: but but you hear Grace behind the wavy, wafty curtain going, "Oh, I'm obviously Grace. So I didn't sing before." Oh, wait, I you do. could.
1: You're absolutely right. You could have something like that. You could just have some. Have her. Um, singing to herself outside in the garden
0: yeah yeah you're right and the doctor hears her and she's like what are you up to Eric how deep are you in this Eric balls deep <laughs> I thought so let go of that frog I still can't do the accent <laughs> <laughs> And to round off the cast, Ellie Woolwork plays Hannah. She's that young. She was still doing a degree as a 2021. So she yes, I saw that on IMDb. I said, like,
1: oh, she is doing an English literature degree. Yeah, like, yeah that's, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: She doesn't have a massive career yet, but she does still have a future. So well done, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's great, by the way. Yeah, and she's genuinely blind, as yeah. you'd expect in this era of the show, to avoid any blind face, blinding up controversy. Right, so where do we go from this, then? How
1: about Mr. Bradley Walsh? Okay. He continues to exceed my expectations. Yeah. and
0: Even though incrementally, you're, I, I know how good you are by now.
1: Incrementally, not just that. Incrementally, he is raising the bar. Right. And my expectations are therefore that much more impressive. I mean, I'm expecting something that much more impressive than I was five, six episodes ago. He's, he's knocking it out of the park all the time. Maybe some of the humor that he had written for him in this one didn't really work out for me. I'm thinking specifically in the beginning, for example, there's a, well, yeah, I've got a sandwich with pickle or whatever in my pocket. Like, this is not the moment to have a full minute and a half tangent about your pickle sandwiches. Yeah,
0: you you break out the lembas bread when you're in khazad Doom. Thank you. That is freaking perfect. (laughs) Yes,
1: a bajillion nerds just had a massive hard-on when you said that. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that, that was maybe slightly... I don't want to say miss but like hit and miss in the beginning But in general all the emotional stuff Wow that guy can act yeah. he, he really can act And it's not just that he can act He has been written for very well in this episode That though Those initial jokes in the beginning Notwithstanding It's, it's I, all I, I, fully convincing and I compelling
0: I credit card one when they said, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's already Lord, I think it might be Ryan say, he's already Lord Grey, man. He's like,
1: well, I didn't, didn't take my credit card details or something or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah yeah. 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 That's a nice, lit- that's as much humor I want from him. I want just a, a, a quick line that is almost faded out on, like it happens in the semi background.
0: Yeah. Like he takes one step into the solid tract jizz puddle yeah. left by Eric and he says, anyone got a tissue? <laughs> that's what we want. That's that's, all, that's find what we a need way to put that line in every single episode. Yeah.
1: I I don't know I don't want to get stuck on that whole sandwich conversation but it just massively killed the momentum
0: yeah I mean why hasn't the doctor got a sandwich like Graham pulls out a sandwich the doctor's like hey Uh, have you seen my bottomless pockets yeah sandwich twins yeah
1: also there's a traumatized girl in the room maybe we should focus on the problem at hand well (laughs) yes okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah it seems maybe there are bigger problems at hand yeah. yeah, But yes, holy smokes, Bradley Walsh, what a chap. What an utter chap.
0: Yes, he had not a steep acting brief, but he had to carry the second half of the episode emotionally. Certainly, yeah. H- Hanna began it, and he has to bring it home, and he did so with a, a wonderful amount of expressiveness and control. I never thought that he was unconvincing. It was only the script the first time that scene that you hate that we talked about earlier the first time that grace says no leave ryan come with me <laughs> i'm the one you need like th- that should have been enough he would he, sh- he he did register it and you saw him wince a little but that should have been like no that's it I, I know i know grace so well i don't need that to be repeated i don't need to waste another five minutes getting to the point we all know is coming mm. like that is it like give graham enough credit to be better than eric and not to need quite as much hand holding I, I know that you want to show the depth of his dilemma and and the awfulness of the situation, but just have the the finger snap reaction then. He's already been paradigmatically sad. He's been a paragon of sadness. We don't need to see him sitting looking tortured any longer, really. He is also capable of
1: expressing those emotions after he has left that universe. Yes. We should have faith in him recognising that the universe around him is collapsing and that if he stays, if he lingers and if he spends too long a time just contemplating his own emotional state he's not just costing his own life he's costing everyone's life like the both universes are going to collapse he knows this to be the case yeah so have him recognize that escape and then part of the trauma that he has to experience is he didn't even have a chance to say goodbye to fake grace and then and, and he has to sit and dwell on that until someone can explain to him that that it was fake race and yeah. it, it wasn't it was all a, a charade and, and unfortunately you want to undergo that trauma yet again yeah. and
0: his response would be it still hurts and whoever is talking to him their response would be I know granddad yes oh retro rewrite of the century thank you
1: and so, you know what thanks for listening podcast land mic drop <laughs> like, yes yeah that's exactly what it should be right right that's it one 1,000 bajillion
0: percent. Ugh, gone. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like the inside of a frog in here. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Because part of my notes is grief is a very hard thing to film. And I think they did Eric and Hannah, to a lesser extent, a disservice by packing them off to Oslo so effing quickly. There's a lingering shot on them hugging at the end where you think, yes, yes okay maybe they still have some way to go and they will have to help each other get through the rest of this process that doesn't end it just changes it just becomes more intermittent maybe and then one day it will hit you as hard as it ever does it's it's so difficult to film and you really can't just be like we are going back to Oslo and yeah. everything is much better now than it ever was before.
1: Yeah, post credit scene please where, <laughs> where we get a split screen on the left side we have Hannah finally being reunited with all of her friends whom she hasn't seen for months having to live a lie because she doesn't want to dob her dad in and she's like no, no, no we, we were on a holiday we went on a cruise uh-huh. and she's digging herself deeper and deeper into layer by layer of lies, <laughs> yeah. and on the other side of the split screen, her dad is explaining to the authorities why he took his daughter out of school and, <laughs> like, trying desperately to get all the paperwork sorted so he doesn't lose custody.
0: Oh fuck
1: <laughs> that guy! He is terrible. He is the worst dad ever. I can't believe that Yaz, who is a police officer, and Doc, who is on the right side of ethics, I think, like yeah, more so than not, yeah. I can't believe that neither one of them went, no, 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 no. Why don't we take you to Oslo and we make sure that everything works out here? We're not just going to leave you in the forest. Because clearly what's going to happen is he's going to lead her around a few circles around trees, lead her right back into that cottage, and then that's where they're going to stay. He's going to be living in front of a mirror for the rest of his life trying to get back to the other side.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know what film of all the films I could cite actually did a really good job? I think in portraying the, a grieving husband who's lost his wife. Wait,
1: wait, 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 wait! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! Oh, wait, I, wait! This is a good game. Give me a, give me a hint.
0: Okay, well, it's it's a f- it's not the only film in the series, and the wife appeared in earlier films. Oh shit! Someone, a man lost his wife in an earlier film in a series of in a series of films. Yeah, which <laughs> I would watch. Oh, wait. Hang on. Wait. Give me one more hint. It's an American film That's all series. films. Yeah, I okay. know. Sports, sports films.
1: Sports film. Yeah. Wait, does Rocky lose his wife?
0: Yeah. Is it Rocky? It's Rocky Balboa.
1: All right. Okay, The gotcha.
0: sixth film in the series. I'd forgotten
1: that he loses his or that he's lost his wife then.
0: Adrian didn't want to come back after Rocky 5. <laughs> I wonder Tally why. I was like, yep, wonder I, why. I've seen enough <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I've, I've brought up Bradley Walsh and now I will raise you Jodie Whittaker. Oh my, no, I, I, you need to start this one. Okay. Because Bradley Walsh, he's acting opposite Sharon D. Clark. Uh-huh. And he, he gets to bounce off her and they combine their acting talents and they're both seasoned pros and all that. Jodie Whittaker has to stare just slightly to the side of the camera and her stage directions are, there is absolutely nothing around you. You're in the Matrix arsenal or whatever and there's a frog on a chair. Yeah. And that's what she has to work with. And she just goes for it. And I get that it is farcical and the script, it loses us and it's deficient in many ways. But I think this is one of jodie whittaker's strongest episodes to date i really do yeah i
1: think i probably agree with you there's i think acting wise she was actually great throughout mm. with one exception i i'm so sorry i'm so sorry
0: it, it, it's the exception that proves the rule so that's true we're yeah. fine
1: it's you might disagree with me on this one it's the scene where she is talking to yaz and I mean, she's she's not talking to Yaz so much as she's monologuing to herself in front of
0: Yaz. For a full two minutes. Yeah. yeah. And
1: it's not necessarily the part, but it is a part of what I kind of dislike about her portrayal of the Doctor. It's so dumbed down, and it's like, why is your inner monologue on the outsides? Why is it so incredibly banal? Like, everything about it is... I, I dislike it. Yeah. Oh, except of course a perfect rendition yes and at the same time you have yaz looking at her just repeating exactly what she's just told to her but slightly more linearly yeah. <laughs>
0: playing the role of the dumbest child in the audience yeah. saying "Mummy, what did jody just say the most egregious example of that is the doctor says the mirror is a portal and yaz is like when you say a portal I mean a fucking portal, Yaz. (laughs) This is episode fucking nine. Yeah. Get with the program, Yaz. Wake up and smell the frog. This is a freaking (laughs) Doctor Who adventure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean that is again a defect of the script. I think. Yeah. And there's a lot of exposition in this episode. So many expo jumps.
1: Here's a question for you. This was written by Ed Heim. Indeed. Not co-written by Ed Heim and what's his face Chibbers. Mm-hmm. Many of the other adventures we've had or stories we've had recently have been written by someone else, not co-written by them and Chibbers. Why is it that everyone is portraying Yaz in exactly the same? Way
0: well, I was going to save this for Ranscore Apollux. Ooh, but
1: I am fascinated. I okay. found
0: a bit of trivia. I'll save <gasps> some of this for next time. Okay, Chris Chibnall gave an interview to Doctor Who magazine earlier this year where he said, particularly in that first series, I spent a lot of time helping other writers. It's the Yaz. Yes. It's Yaz. It's Yaz. That's what he came back and did. Now, we have said, why isn't there the oversight? There is a void at the top of the show where the showrunner should be. Where is Chris Chibnall? He clearly thought that making Yaz ask every single question was pretty much his only job with Ed Heim and Mallory Blackman and Joey Wilkinson and everybody.
1: Slash that that was helping those writers. (laughs) Yes. That that was an improvement upon their script. I don't know what was there for Yaz before. It's possible that there was no Yaz before or whatever. Or maybe Yaz had a different kind of role. Oh my
0: goodness, is that possible? Because he goes on to say, we had some problems towards the end and I had to go back and do some big rewrites oh that sounds companion sized is it possible that yaz
1: was a sometimes there sometimes not their companion or something Yeah,
0: shoved in late and that's why she's as thin as she is and is oh we need someone to ask all the questions okay let's make her a police officer let's reverse engineer this it extra like that's
1: a massive change though i don't i don't i don't i don't necessarily buy that i wonder if
0: oh yeah demons of the punjab wouldn't make any sense <laughs> Demons wouldn't make any sense.
1: Uh, spiders in Sheffield wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Podcast Land, I know it's not called that. But maybe the change here was something akin to, wait, let's swap Yaz and Ryan around. Yeah, maybe. Uh, that might legitimately have been the case. Yeah. Oh, yikes, caramba.
0: Just to tie up Jodie's quality in this episode, I thought right from the beginning, when she's doing the Doctor thing, like, yes, okay, the Doctor has weird powers, and she's talking about the gift shop and the trip advisor rating. I didn't laugh at any of that. But when she offer to the soil around it was like soil was yeah it, that was great yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it naturally you want some
1: <laughs>
0: delivered that with aplomb
1: hilarious lloyd yeah. yeah i like that and super doctory
0: yes very doctory yes yes yes
1: yeah bravissima
0: oh and also the line a very doctory line is where she's like your wife isn't your wife she's Two universes at once And you filled her up with jizz And she's a frog Time to move on Mate I like that line as well She didn't say that obviously Uh, (laughs) I was trying to place that conversation Yeah Okay Yeah. When everything's shaking and whatever Okay Can can I also add one more
1: bullet point? Yes This is not a Doctor bullet point This is not a, a Whittaker bullet point This is Ribbons It's also not a positive bullet point (laughs) <laughs> Ribbons cuts the ribbon. Yes. No one notices that there's no longer any tension in it.
0: Yeah, he should have waited until they were around the corner, and then maybe it would still have been, you know. No, that's not how it works.
1: Like he, he, there, there, it, there's a taut ribbon, and they need to follow it he cuts it on okay, one end okay.
0: he ties what does no one notice he 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 grabs it he pulls it taut he ties it around something yeah. and then he cuts it yeah
1: that would be that would be a potential solution yeah yeah yeah
0: and okay we're back talking about ribbons and when this must be related to the rewrites that followed the mole monster not yeah. being there anymore but when the moth needs to do the job of the mole monster i guess and and it's like sending out signal stops my light working complete nonsense utter gibberish (laughs) like yeah (laughs) and we don't get the
1: moth signal thing disrupting anything else really do we
0: no no no, not at all and the fact that that's what he went with it was like well i've got the moth and i got the balloon okay the moth needs to fuck up the balloon now i mean It'll happen quickly yep. and yep, yep. we'll have them all swarm in and everybody will be borne along and say, well done, Ed, congratulations on your first script. No further questions. Yeah. Mm. Oh, one last thing. Okay. One last thing. One last thing. This is a cottage in far northern Norway in winter. Yep. Where is the snow? Oh, that's a good point. Wait, do we know that it's in the wintertime? They say. They say it's in the winter. A girl left alone in the cottage... No, wait, I'm going to look this up just to make sure I get it right. Oh, yeah, a cottage in Norway in winter with a chimney, but no smirk.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look cold out there at all. No. It looks lovely.
0: I mean, you you see some of the pining for
1: the fjords. Yeah, no, it it looks absolutely delicious. When Grace is talking with Graham,
0: you see some breath vapour, water vapour breathed out. Oh, I didn't notice that. So they are filming in cold conditions, but it is not the north of norway it might be scotland at a stretch and at least it being set in northern norway gives them as an excuse to be like this is the only house in this valley and they're thereby making it more convincing than demons of the punjab whereas like this whole lush area of india as is now we're the only ones here yeah and yet we're not tremendously wealthy
1: no, no. One day, none of this will be yours. Yeah, mm. no, it doesn't work. I didn't notice the the vapor, and I didn't realize that this was meant to be said in winter. That ticks me off. That there was another thing regarding not so much the time of year, but the time of day that I I reacted to, but then kind of dismissed. And that's that when they go in through the mirror, it's nighttime. When they come out in the mirror universe, it's daytime and i and i didn't know if that was because like you know when when they're out in the garden chatting with with grace it's like a sunny early afternoon maybe or late morning it's yeah so i I wondered if maybe that was a like isn't this basically the what's it called the far side of the moon whatever that sci-fi film is called like everything is just mirror imaged but otherwise it's identical
0: yeah they should have done way more in that the doctor should have looked up and said wait a minute the sun is traveling backwards Oh. Yeah, exactly. Although she's already found out it's a mirror image by that point, but you know, yeah, the
1: guy having his Slayer t-shirt is that's fairly blatant. Nice. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I like I, that very much. I like that as well. I like that they didn't talk about it. Quite frankly, yeah, okay. But but there are other things that maybe you're right. Like they they could have explored pick up this. on it. Yeah, Yaz could think herself super Sherlock Holmesy by pointing out. Oh my god This is a perfect accent by the way Flawless Just so yeah, you're, yeah. you're aware yeah, yep. Oh my god um, <laughs> <laughs> You know what Oh my I'm not god even, <laughs> In this plane I'm an American uh, Oh my god <laughs> No like, you know what I'm not even gonna do it But yeah yeah, She would point out the t-shirt And be like I'm pretty proud of myself right now <laughs> like, <laughs> That's pretty good eh Yeah <laughs> Everyone looks at her She gets a, gets a golf applause <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you know what she does that I'm not 100% sure how I feel about? Yes, does. Yeah. Uh There's the reverse the polarity line. I think maybe I don't like it, but I'm really happy that they tried. Does that make sense? I, you know, I mean, I don't if, think they stuck the landing, but I, I think it's a nice reference to make.
0: Has it come up in this series yet? Because if Chris Chibnall is, as he says, taking on the Herculean task of bringing all the five other writers' scripts in his series up to scratch, then surely he drops that in a few episodes ago, and Yaz remembers it. Yeah, and only then can it work. If it's coming out of nowhere then I guess maybe they had a more fun adventure off-screen we weren't privy to, as has happened throughout the show. Yeah, maybe. But it's annoying without that being a callback. I don't know. I mean, I oh,
1: I get the sentiment behind it. I also get the sentiment behind having Doc saying, now you're speaking my language or whatever it is Yes, she says. Something yes, like that. Yes, yes, I like that as an idea. It just seemed so incredibly ham-fisted at the time. It I mean, was, yeah. it was. Anyway, No
0: seem about it. So I just want to end with a possible example of our theory of the writers go away and Chibbers comes in, removes yeah. everything. Ed Heim, not Ed Helms, has <laughs> shot for the moon with the all-time classic Who line, No, I want you to follow this nutter into the dark. I love that line. It's a, it's a good line. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's delivered well, and I, I feel like any doctor would have fun saying it. And then Chibbers comes along, Kevin Eldon says anti zone. The doctor says, "Oh no." And Yaz's response is, "Is this a good thing or a bad thing?" To the doctor saying, "Oh no." Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Chibbers is like, "I've got the perfect question Ooh. for this point here." Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really astute observation. It's evidence of, a, of an inquisitive detective mind, <laughs> such as <is> my own. <laughs> uh.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah we're, we're building a case here. The evidence is beginning to stack up.
1: Sadly so, yes. <laughs> Yikes, caramba. How about on that note, we jump into some sort of rating?
0: Oh, let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing-bong, bing-bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. <laughs> well, listener, Leon has taken advantage of a momentary lapse in concentration. He's put his finger on his nose. <laughs> So, here I go. (laughs) This episode takes a massive swing. Goodness knows, it's got character. It's not afraid to be bonkers. True. Which is the niche Doctor Who should be fulfilling in the sci-fi spectrum, surely. I think you lose so much rewatching this knowing that the frog is coming. But the first time around, it's a lovely mystery. There's a 10-minute section where every scene transition sets up a new cliffhanger. It's great fun. Grace doesn't do the obvious thing when Graham gives her an interrogation. Like, what does this frog mean to you? She comes out word perfect. And you're like, oh, well, is, has she somehow been resurrected? Are they going to go that way? They're keeping their options open. And even though I hate said frog, I can't take too many points off a Doctor Who episode for dodgy effects. It might be (laughs) naff and full of emotion and sensitive on emotion, but... It's so much better than fear her. Well, which, yeah, obviously. Well, yeah, but I feel like that was <laughs> there. Are s- certain par- There's the Isolus parallel for one thing. That is true. Yeah, and I mean you can't just say, oh yeah, ten years ago they did emotion and now they're doing emotions. Like that only crops up once a decade in Doctor Who, but it, they are front and centre here. The Doctor is so empathic. She really cares about Hannah, and jody delivers but this episode is also swaying uneasily on the tightrope between jam-packed and just super rushed the anti-zone segment is so very join the dots in its construction from universe to villain to trap to solution to solitract when the moth is on the balloon and it has to be narrated what's happening oh no the moth is has negated my balloon and so now i will probably die oh no look i am dying it's That ticked me off as well. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm going to get to. I'm going to come back to that later in this review. Oh, I might as well. All of that is like the climactic scene in Wallace and Gromit The Wrong Trousers, except that rather than train tracks, they are frantically laying the exposition in front of them to allow the next scene to happen.
1: Yeah, nice.
0: And yet I feel only half a companion, Yaz, was wasted in this episode. The emoting was strong, the acting was stellar. Kevin Eldon, Bradley Walsh, Jodie Whittaker, in that order, I said I think this may be a strongest episode to date. She is looking at nothing, yet she is so warm and so big-hearted. I'd like also that Doc is either always in control in this episode or working to regain it. Her action is a lot less passive than it has been earlier in the series, where you've got to let history play out or just be surrounded by stronger men in the Witchfinders and here I am and oh, but I can escape because I can swim and Harry Houdini, whatever. And okay, the (laughs) (laughs) the last scene is a bit of a cop-out. Look, I'm still fuzzy. But at least she has finally managed to convince someone with a one-on-one dialogue. Fourth time is the charm. And there are still so many negatives. When they cut outside to Hannah's explanation of the situation, my dad has gone and everything, it is... (laughs)
1: Great voice work. I'm enjoying every syllable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is so unnatural, and it seems so basic for a television production... So you see the actors start their scene on their marks. And then when Hannah starts expositing, they begin to move in towards her for no reason. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you would all be around her anyway. Why are you all posing and why are you coming in? It's like where they're ranged in front of the motel in Rosa, except here we, it's just the fiction. It's just just gone. It's it's like, oh no, I see you're a TV show. This is shambolic. And I hate, hate, hate it when someone says, and here we're coming back to what I set up earlier, do not move a muscle. And then she goes on to say two or three more sentences. And then she goes. And then she says, nice and quiet. Now run! (laughs) (laughs) At the top of her voice. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But, okay, last week I was like, this whole run, this whole end of Series 11 is so downbeat and so heavy. And it is. It is. Grief is a massive thing. And the bonds that Graham has with Grace, they will last his whole life. They will be the very end of his consciousness. They undergo everything he says and does, how he recognizes love. It's, it's so foundational. It's the imprinting here. And it, it's so heavy and so deep. And yet I don't feel as sad as I did last week with The Witch Finders. I feel like somehow Ed Himes has pulled it off. So despite all the the negatives, I'm going to give it a 3.7.
1: Oh, 3.7. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fantastic mini and a solid rating. The, The reason I was taken by surprise is that I expected you to give this a much lower rating given that mini... And I expected to be the one to give this the highest mark. You have bested me in that regard.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like the stuff that it gets wrong, while there are so many examples, none of them are as important no, as that's, the stuff the episode gets right.
1: Quite frankly, that could be my mini as well.
0: And also notwithstanding the fact that our retro rewrites have, have elevated this to a 5.0.
1: I don't know about a 5.0, but certainly closer to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slight bias admitted, but sh- <laughs> still, sure. Yeah, absolutely. How humble of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, very good. So 3.7 from you is my go at it. I'll start with the doctor. Find her wonderfully doctor in this one. Only towards the end, in that one scene that we already discussed, I found myself sort of gravitating to my usual gripes with her performance. But the, the character, in addition to Whitaker's p- interpretation of it, is great. She could hardly be doing any better here. So brava. As for the companions, I, I managed to mostly overlook. Ryan's annoying foibles. So good work, Tosin. Uh, mm-hmm. And you were so right, by the way, when you said that not Ed Helms had to choose between dyspraxia and daddy issues and that he clearly picked daddy issues because I bet you he also thought to himself, oh, you know what? Because everyone else is going to pick dyspraxia. So that's clearly going to be that one idiosyncrasy that is going to be not at all neglected in the slightest. So <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go with daddy issues. Safe bet. Absolutely spot on. Yaz was her usual tragically superfluous self. Wait a minute. Are you saying I'm tragically superfluous, yeah. Case in point. And yes, that is a fantastic voice voice servant. Graham, <laughs> he is the really interesting one here. His reliance on Kermit's lasted longer than I felt it ought to have done. I think we talked about this in brief, but it's not difficult to imagine the emotional turmoil that that he's going through. And I, I found the writing and his performance convincing and you know compelling. And, and I found myself empathizing with him incredibly and sympathizing with him incredibly. So, and both during and after the meeting with Kermit, he just felt so utterly convinced. At the time. Yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah. I still am in favour of our retro rewrite, but yes, I, I think he did a fantastic job. So well done, Bradley Walsh. Hanna, sure. Her performance was perfectly laudable. Her dad's likewise, I think, but I didn't buy their relationship at all. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, already said in the intro lines. Child protection services or protective services, whatever it's called, <laughs> that man is unfit to parent on any level. I mean, to the point where I feel like taking his blind daughter up to live on a cliff surrounded by bears is tantamount to forcing Ryan to learn how to cycle on a mountain. That's not something that is particularly <laughs> <laughs> recommended. It's not a way to parent. And I have more faith in her in determining what is good for her than to have her go, yeah, let's go back to Oslo, Dad. No, I feel like she should go, Dad, you're a, you're a mess. Like, no, you need to sort your shit out. I am the grown-up in this relationship, in this, you know, family. Either I'm going to be running the show, or we are going our separate ways, because I completely feel that she is capable of doing that. She does not need Eric, worst dad in the world, what's his surname?
0: Yeah, when he says you'll have Wi-Fi, she said she should say, "What I need is my father." <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Just end on the darkest possible note. <laughs> yeah. Production value forwards but perfectly laudable as well. Cabin in what I assume to be fake Norway. Great. Then with a <laughs> cabin with a picture reversed in Premiere Pro. yep I'm in. Anti-zone, marvelous. I I felt like ribbons was a missed opportunity though. I could have spent a lot more time in there with him and fleshed him out a bit in a non-moth way. How on earth has <laughs> survive so long if it's so easy for him to be bested by moths, by the way. Yeah, I don't buy it. Greatest asset, richly and emotionally complex story, biggest flaw, conveniently abrupt scene breaks, including way too little time spent in Zahadum. Main takeaway, mm. over too soon. I gave this a 3.6. And, oh! I, and I thought that I was going to be way above your rating when I wrote that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two peas, <piece>, one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But that is but your opinion and mine.
0: Yeah, we are two peas, but what about one podcast land? Who I? <laughs> <laughs> let's have a listen to them. No Minis, now let's hear from podcast land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Here's first? Why, first up, it's Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? up, Kieran, <laughs> Kieran Begins. Hi, folks. Hello. Ah, a strange one here. Well, I'm all for it. Mm, I would like it when the show goes mental. And has talking frogs and the gang getting stuck in an interdimensional cave with flesh-eating moths. Several misdirects in this one, and genuinely, I think it works very well. Definitely not boring. Mm-hmm. Parentheses, unlike next time. Though I still need to rewatch that one, to be fair.
1: I think your recollection of it is accurate. <laughs> Kieran, I haven't rewatched it either. I mean, who would? Yeah. <laughs> Kieran goes on, Ah, Graham has emergency snacks. Sensible man. Always be prepared. Maybe have rope instead of string? Harder to cut. Can I just say, I love my Sonic. Yes, we know. (laughs) As you've just mentioned in your 9th anniversary special, she uses it so much. Yeah, she does. And thank you for listening, Kieran. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just put a visitation and destroy it? Yeah, happily. It encourages such lazy writing. Oh, to go back and stop them introducing it back in the 60s.
0: Kieran continues mildly, Eric is such a cunt. Okay, he might have been influenced to do things, but still a shitty dad.
1: Thank you, Kieran.
0: Presumably his powerful sound system is from him blasting Slayer all the time, on brand for Norway to be fair, and indeed all of the Nordic region. Oh, really? When we went to Iceland and stayed in Reykjavik, we could hear, like, on every street, like metal clubs. Oh, really? Like, just blast.
1: <laughs>
0: everywhere. Everywhere. It's great.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Oh, that was a good thing. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Badass. Kieran continues, and now we have resolution between Graham and Ryan? Maybe? Though that does point out the issue that the writers finish off their character development in one series and then don't do much for another one. But oh well, that's a future issue.
0: Kieran concludes, genuinely one I like. Maybe a little rushed. An issue of the eps not being an hour long. 3.9 3.9 out of 5.
1: Excellent. Great rating. Fantastic mini. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you very much, Kieran.
0: You can follow Kieran online at KJEvans2.
1: Oh, perfect. Because I'm moving house. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who's next? Why, right next up, it's GP Haynes. I say G, you say P, G, P, G. What? <laughs> I, thought I cracked it. Yeah, wait, okay,
1: one more time. I said G, you say P, G, P. Fuck!
0: Okay, okay,
1: third time's the charm. I say G, you say P. G G.
0: No What? I said everything, how can I still be wrong?
1: GP, I give up. (laughs) GP says hello, wonderful podcasters. Hello. So professional. Well, here we have another beautiful production which fails to live totally up to expectations. This episode does have, however, some interesting, and dare I say, high-level sci-fi concepts which I always love when explored. The ideas of parallel universes coexisting, separated by the thinnest of margins, and even the exploration of sentience is always fascinating.
0: Yes, agreed. However, G.P. Haynes doesn't feel the story was particularly well executed. Jodie's doctor is by now well-established, and she is more than adequate. But she was clearly overshadowed in this episode by Bradley Walsh's rather touching performance. You can feel the heartache he feels for his dead wife. Top marks!
1: The performance of Eleanor Wallwork as the blind girl was also fantastic. But in the end, the story leaves you unsatisfied, says GP, like an order of Chinese food where half an hour later you are hungry again. Mm. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Really want some Chinese food
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> GP isn't sure Kermit with Grace's voice, for heaven's sake. <laughs> Not sure Kermit talking to the doctor was the best interpretation or presentation of the ideas put forward. Continuing GP's analogy, it's not a particularly unlikable watch. If it was Chinese food, it'd be a good one. With sizzling king prawns, special fried rice, and stir-fry veggies. You're sitting on plush velvet chairs, and the name of the restaurant is something grand like Imperial Palace. Wait, have you been talking to Tracy?
1: (laughs) Nice. Oh, I I haven't read our mini yet. I'm looking forward to that. Sometimes, though, says GP, you wished you had ordered a kebab or fish and chips
0: instead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And GP gives this a rating of 2.8. Flesh-eating moths.
0: Oh, I'm so hungry after this review, oh, GP. Absolutely starving. <laughs> I'd even eat some flesh.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, GP. That is a fantastic mini. Here's next. Well, next up, it's Daniel. Daniel,
0: Daniel McGinley. McGinley. Daniel McGinley. Daniel McGinley. <laughs> I mean, it's just easy, isn't it? Straightforward. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Hello, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Daniel McGins, the Norwegian setting gives this story a different and unusual vibe. Shame, the regular cast are predictably dull. (laughs) Apart from Graham, cheese and pickle sandwiches, anyone? Legend. (laughs) Actually, that's a bit harsh. Ryan finally showed a tiny bit of gumption. But despite his experiences in the TARDIS, seems to be regressing. Oh, Hmm, interesting. The long-awaited conciliation with Graham was terribly written. It made no sense after them being apart for half the episode.
1: Yep, fair point.
0: CR retro rewrites. Yep, yep, yep. Would have been understandable if they experienced seeing Grace together. Danny's already oh God, done it! Wait, what? That's crazy bananas! This is a friend <laughs> who agrees with us. Thank you, Daniel. Oh,
1: well done, Dan. Is it okay if I called you Dan? I'm going to call you Dan.
0: <laughs> and Thirteen had a great moment of passion at Thrina, the most Doctor-like we've seen her.
1: Nice. Daniel continues, Solid Tract and anti interesting concepts. Very classic season 18. Anyone else secretly hoping that Gollum would win and keep the Sonic? Doc talking at the Solid Tract had all the hallmarks of a moralizing lecture, body language, delivery, and tone, but she just wanted to be friends with the frog. I can't believe I've written those actual words. I'll leave the frog critique to others, but the takeaway is there were no moralizing lectures this week.
0: Really? What? Really?
1: That is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> I'm not counting having a go at Eric for abandoning his daughter. That's justified and isn't Hectoring the viewer. Series total remains at 18. <laughs> Hope I'm not being made redundant.
0: I thought there was, and I actually thought of Daniel when I heard Jodie delivering this line, thinking this will be the one. Oh, nice. When she said, <laughs> friends help each other face up to their problems, not avoid them. I thought that was like a one-line micro lecture, but she's right. saying it with a friendly tone, so I guess it doesn't come across that way. But you are the keeper of the count-up, Daniel, so we bow to your superior knowledge.
1: Certainly we do, yes.
0: And Daniel gives this a rating of I chuckled when the Doctor gave herself a solid seven, maybe six and a half out of ten. Good confidence, 13, and a significantly higher rating than any episode in this season. The usual criticisms apply, but at least it tried for something interesting. 2.3 out of 5.
1: Ooh, hi. He adds a PS, did you see the trailer? Yes, I did. Did you? At the end of the episode? Yeah. For the next episode?
0: Yeah, but I can't remember any of it. Is that the point? He
1: adds, the season finale looks epic. Can't wait for next week.
0: (laughs) Crying with laughter emoji. Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Ruffle. Nice. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. We should also add, he's added a little message. He says, this week I watched Logopolis and Legend of the Sea Devils, thereby completing my mission to watch every Doctor Who episode. Wow. He's now watched, rated, and ranked all of them. Quite an emotional moment. Holy moly, I'm emotional on your behalf, Daniel. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, well done. Don't stop with Legend of the Sea Devils. No, no, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very good stuff. Well done, dude. Well done. Thanks, Daniel. Just for
0: who's next? That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Hello, just for who. Hello, friends, says Just For Who. Hello, Just For Who. What in the wibbly-wobbly is time? And by that I mean, how are we already at episode 9? Thanks for explaining. (laughs) I should preface this by saying I am sitting down to review this after watching it almost two weeks ago, so I'm basing this review solely off what I can remember. Spoiler, not much. (laughs) Without further ado, here's what my noggin thinks.
0: Number one, Ryan called Graham granddad.
1: Nice. Nice. Number two, the big band was a misunderstood
0: universe. Number K. Okay. Number three. It was nice seeing Grace again. Damn it! Why didn't they kill Ryan off and keep Grace instead? <laughs> oh wow! Yikes! Can you imagine what her
1: character would be like if she'd lost her grandkid? Mm. Probably pretty grim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I get the sentiment, but uh, yeah. Yikes! Karamba! I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would work out. Actually,
0: Yas would find herself up a hill immediately. <laughs>
1: And number four, The Doctor Was Very Doctory.
0: Yes. Love it, says says Just For Who. Something Just For Who would like to hear your thoughts on. When this episode came out, Just For Who remembers hearing a lot of discourse about how this particular episode was shitting on single dads. What? I'm not really sure that's the impression I got from it. Thoughts?
1: No, not at all. I I don't feel like that's a. I mean, it's it's not like a generalizing blanket statement made by this episode. There's one dude who happens to be a really shit dad, yeah, and he's undergoing like tremendous emotional turmoil. This is not. I I don't. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't think Doctor Who or the BBC is trying to generalize and say something about single dads in general.
0: I mean, I guess the absent, literally in every sense second single dad in this episode is ryan's dad mm-hmm.
1: so a much more prevalent plot point and reference to single dads than
0: this dude yes but that might be part of it oh I part see. of the shitting on single dads i still uh, think I it's think specific so. enough that they needed more at the end but i don't think they denied them a proper send-off in the interests of shitting on single dads <laughs> just rushed resolution as usual
1: yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah.
0: I mean, equally, you could say, look, there's another white guy in this series who is the worst guy in the episode. But this isn't some anti-white guy mission that they're on here. No. Best bit, Ooh.
1: says Just For Who, Jodie Whittaker. Nice. I wonder if her back hurts from carrying the weight of this series. Ooh, bold statement.
0: <laughs> Sheesh. Lots of love for Jodie <laughs> among podcast
1: lands. Wanted mm. to go marry her. <laughs> Perfect voice work. Wow. Who was that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Mandip Gill. Thanks, Mandip. <laughs> Just for whose worst bit? Any scene with ribbons, flesh moths, or the anti zone Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To think they could have gotten rid of this and done something for characterization instead. But no. Let's have Ryan acknowledge Graham as his granddad. That'll be enough character development over nine episodes, right?
1: Holy smokes, that's effectively uh, reiterating our retro rewrite of before as well. Or one <laughs> of our many retro rewrites. Yeah. Yeah, very nice, man. Just For Who concludes with a rating of a solid 2.7 out of 5 for this one. Can we maybe skip the battle of what's-its and who has and go straight to Resolution? No, Just for Who. No. We are doing this. We are going there. <laughs>
0: but we will be at Resolution in a mere four weeks.
1: That's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you very much, Just for Who. Thank that you is so it. much, Just for Who. And Daniel McGinley, who I didn't thank at the end of his last review.
1: <laughs> Who's next? Why? Next up, we have Michael... Richway, Richway. hello michael hiya
0: michael love you michael i'd stay in an anti-zone with you michael <laughs> or even a solo track play. oh
1: my god can i can i hang on i'm gonna show you a picture dude when i found it you're gonna go oh i get it <laughs> <laughs>
0: perfect leon has shown me uh, <laughs> a two-handed sign that's clearly on the Ridgeway. And in both directions, it says Ridgeway, Ridgeway and Ridgeway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tweet
1: it right after this. I completely forgot. Yeah,
0: nice. Hello, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Michael begins diametrically opposed to Just For Who by saying, Likes, crazy wacko ribbons, spin off, please. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Michael, I didn't think I could love you anymore, and yet. (laughs) I don't
1: know if I could tolerate a whole spin-off of that, dude. Can you imagine? (laughs) Oh, yikes. It would be on par with the Ewok spin-offs in Star Wars. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. Next like, The Frog, full-on Twin Peaks weirdness Yes, agreed, that's a very nice reference as well, yeah
0: mm. Next up, Creepy Nordic Setting
1: And last like, a feel-good baseline for fatherhood that makes me feel less inadequate I've yet to stoop to surrounding my house with speakers with fake monster noises To keep my kid busy so I can sneak off for a good time <laughs> Well done, Michael But he's well not done. ruling it
0: out <laughs> He hasn't yet done so <laughs> And Michael follows up with a single solitary... <laughs> which is... He wanted a really evil, twisted villain. Hmm. There were It vibes with the balloons. By the way, is that why it's called It Takes You Away? Oh. Crossed my mind. Oh,
1: I had not thought about
0: that. Yet another nod from Ed Hines. Michael continues a creepy entity behind some wavy washing and emotional trickery. Alas, it was just a sentient micro-universe in the guise of a frog. <laughs> and Michael concludes with a rating of
1: 4.3 yikes out of five flesh moths unleashed upon a hustings event attended by all 180,000 members of the Conservative Party. Is
0: that all? <sighs> wow, Michael,
1: mm. so big,
0: <laughs> mole monster size. <laughs> that, I mean, just to bring up the mole monster, how would that have actually fit into the episode? Would that have made it any better? I- No, but
1: I mean, it does still... If the monster is just a monster and it's, you know, chasing them down corridors, there's no value to be added. No. But if it's a creature that plays a part, that has an actual role in this universe between universes, then yeah, I'm all for it. But it's the kind of thing that I want to see much more time spent on. Ipso facto, let's have a whole episode set in that anti-zone. Or at least most of an episode set in the anti-zone.
0: Not just a menace... But yeah. Yeah. Proper proper character. Okay. But but Drew. Yes.
1: All I want in life is to follow Michael Ridgewell on Twitter. How on earth can I do that?
0: I'm amazed you haven't done it already, except I know that you have. I have. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so should you, Podcast Land. You should find him on Twitter
1: at bad. Underscore Movie Munderscore. That's right. Michael. So big. Mega
0: universe sized. <laughs> <laughs> Who's lost? Why, it's Tracy Tracy from the Miracle. Hello, Tracy. What up, Tracy? Long time no see, Tracy. Tracy begins. Okay, this is a fantastic episode. The concept of a conscious universe that's lonely, but somehow poisonous to ours is brilliant. I mean, I'm thinking of Futurama, the Beast of a Billion Backs, but okay, the episode (laughs) gets quite heavy in parts, but there is an awful lot of whimsy snuck in there
1: to balance it out. Sheep may be plotting a rebellion, the solid track taking the form of a frog, Doc eating the local dirt, the quick little anecdote about Doc's grannies and the Zygons, even the red balloon light is an almost
0: magical touch. It's also these little tit bits that make this not just great sci-fi, but great Doctor Who. The Doctor should be weird, while being incredibly nonchalant slash unaware about it. And the universe should be a strange place, full of odd balloon keepers, devious sheep, and far too many (laughs) grannies. Husband Husband from America America.
1: liked this episode as well, saying it reminded him of the movie Labyrinth. Ah. Hmm. It's easy to see why. The Anti-Zone is a maze of rock and mists populated with strange, dangerous creatures. Check out how great those moths look. Yes! Especially the one coming out of Ribbon's eye socket. Hot, straight-up Henson Creature Shop vibes.
0: That's what I'm saying! Go the whole hog! Go the whole frog! (laughs) Yaz and Doc moments, colon... Yaz steps right up to join Doc through the mirror into danger, and Doc basically Sherlock's at Yaz with her "unless" speech. Yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> see above, <laughs> <laughs> and concludes with a rating
1: of in brackets Inside Doctor Who theme performed by David Bowie.
0: Oh, Tracy, turn back before it's too late. Oh, nice. Hmm. I just felt a little <laughs> tingle in my nethers there, Drew. Ah, oh, very in, nice. In, in your prominent
1: crotch bulge, <laughs> perchance? <laughs> Thank you very much, Tracy. That is a wonderfully Tracy mini. <laughs> oh,
0: peak Tracy may have been achieved. <laughs> but how on earth can I follow Tracy on Twitter, Drew? It's simple. Just go to... That's Fountain Tracy backwards. Almost. So almost simple.
1: <laughs> thanks, Tracy.
0: And that's it from Podcast Land. Thank you, all six of you, and indeed all of you have been listening.
1: Yeah, thanks, everyone.
0: What are you going to be listening to next? I hear you cry. Ooh, Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> still, it's not getting any closer. <laughs> but that's keep a di- trying. It's a
1: different voice. That's not that's that's not a Sheffield accent. Okay, <laughs> that's vaguely Yorkshire Bernard. Anyway, I'll get. Oh, will put a pin in Bernard.
0: You made me sad all over again Different
1: Bernard Next up We might have a classic review Namely Of The Mark of the Rani By which I mean The Mark of the Rani Rani. I watched it just the other day We're recording a review of it tomorrow It's It's a story
0: Okay (laughs) And what you might be getting next, I think, is what you're saying, is the bonus episode, New right. to Who Back When Part Two.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think I might be dropping that one midweek at some point. But y- yes, absolutely. I still just need to edit it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what about New Who, Drew? Why next up? It's the Battle of Ranscor Av Kolos. Can't wait.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and at some point you know what we need to schedule this in at some yep. point we are also reviewing the next audio who in line namely the gathering
0: indeed so lots to look forward to and until then you can look presently directly at us online leon yes what's up you give out people's <laughs> twitter handles willy nilly what about your own <laughs> How to uh, spell that? Yeah,
1: please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I will reach right back out. What am I saying? If you say hi to me on Twitter, I will say hi to you as well. Feel free to reach out and have a conversation. I can be found at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N.
0: And that's how you spell that. That's right. I what can about be, you? I can be found at Drew Excellent branding. Still, after all these years, deathlessly excellent branding. <laughs> Apex branding. <laughs> And that's it, Podcast Land. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'll dream of you all out there without me. <laughs> like the Solid Tract plane. Oh, it's such a sad note. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Peeps, rock on.
1: Cha-chao. <laughs> Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when.
0: Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hooray. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen, all in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome.
1: High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen, all in one word.
0: And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points.
1: That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other.
0: Catch your ear in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao chao Who back when?